0: I'm excited to look at John chapter 5 this morning as we continue to think about the whole story that John describes for us about who Jesus is and why he came and the difference that he makes. John chapter 5 beginning in verse 1 says this, After this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades, and in these lay a multitude of the sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? but he answered that the man who healed me that man said to me take up your bed and walk and they asked him who is the man who said to you take up your bed and walk now the man who had been healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and said to him see you are well sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. And this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God.
1: we come for our giving moment I know that many of you have given online or y'all have given in the box when you came in through the door you will on your way out and we appreciate the gifts that have been given uh, just the emphasis of just reviewing last year of just in the past couple of days I know a lot of us reflect back on 2021 in the good times and the bad times and as we reflect as I was reflecting I was looking over like volunteer lists of who has volunteered and who helped. And it's just been amazing as I stand up and I talk normally during the given moment of talking about us being a generous church. And I look over this list of how many times that we have had people in our church volunteer for missions or for helping in ministries here at our church. And it's just been a blessing just to look over the past few days. Now, as we go forward into 2022, I just want to give a challenge as well. We talk about being a generous church. We want you to know that's not an emphasis of 2021. That's who we are and that carries even to this year. So how are we gonna grow as a generous church this year? How are you gonna grow in your spiritual walk? How are you gonna grow in giving to God, whether that's of your time, whether it's of your service? How are we gonna be a generous church moving forward in 2022? Will you please join me in prayer as we lift this request up to God? Father God, we do thank you for today. As we come before you, we thank you for the blessings that you have poured out on us. And as we reflect back over the last year, Father, of just seeing your hand move, we pray and ask that you continue to allow us to see your hand move upon Woodland Park Baptist Church so that we can minister to those in our congregation, we can minister to those in our community, and Father, we can minister to those around the world so that people can come to know you in a saving way. Father, for those that know you in a saving way can grow in their faith in you each and every day. But let us continue to be a generous church. Let us continue just to share that love that you have overflowed in our life with other people around us. In your name we pray and ask it. Amen. Amen. The song I'm going to
2: sing for you comes from Psalm 27. It's one of my favorite psalms to start the year off with. It is, The Lord is my light.
0: We dismiss Children's Church right now. At this point in the time of the service, we spend a little bit of time in prayer together. And a lot of times I'll come and I'll bring several different prayer requests, something from the headlines, something from our community, and something from our church. But really what I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to bring something from your heart. Uh, I know that as we kind of have this transition week, as we put behind us some things in 2021 and we carried some things into 2022, it is, as Michael said, a season of reflection and we kind of have some things. And so what I wanted to do this morning is I just wanted. I wanted to set a time for you to pray uh, about some of the things that are on your heart. And so in just a moment, I want to invite you that if you want to come and pray at the steps here, something that you want to just intentionally hand over to God, if there's a place that that you just need some wisdom, that you need strength, whatever it may be, if there's a person in your life that just needs prayer this morning, then we want to do that, and then I'll pray over all of us in just a a few moments. So uh, if you want to just come, if you'll stand stand together. And then if there's an area of concern that you want to pray over, maybe just come and kneel here at the steps and just intentionally hand those things over to God. Father, one of the great wonders is that you see every heart and every person. And Lord, across this room, there's not a single person that doesn't have a need or request or a place where they're seeking you. And in fact, the truth of us is that just about every single one of us don't have one place but we have dozens of places where we desire to see you at work, where we need to see you at work, where we hunger to see you move and stir. So Lord, I ask that you would pour out your wisdom, your understanding, your power, your love, your timing, your generosity, your strength, your blessing across this room. As we yield up these parts of our life, even as we yield up our expectations, we yield up our will, and we turn them over to you, now, Lord, I pray that we would be attentive so that we would notice the very places and the very ways in which you move in these needs and requests in these days. We pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at John chapter 5, we continue the journey that we are on from Christmas to Easter, thinking through the whole story of Jesus through the eyes of the apostle John uh, who writes the last gospel uh, that we have. Uh, We want to dig in this morning, but before we do that, I just need to confess to you that I've... I've, I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I'd like to go to the Grand Canyon. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Show of hands. How was it? fantastic, pretty good, uh, better than you expected it to be. I, I'm always curious because it is on my, my list of places that I want to go. In fact, we had planned a trip last year, but then, you know, COVID and stuff like that. So we, we didn't get, get to go, but it's still on the list. And every one time that I meet someone who has been, we had some folks in the church that went this this past year. Uh, like, How was it? I, I, I want to know. And, and everyone that says, says, man, it was fantastic. It was better than I imagined it was. I, I've never met anybody that said, it's just a hole in the ground. Uh, I have not come across that person. In fact, if you are that person, you may need to see somebody about that kind of worldview that you have. Uh, I've never had the chance to talk to one of the Apollo astronauts. I've always been fascinated by that since I I was a kid. Uh, so I've never had a chance to talk to one of the Apollo astronauts and, and one of the guys that had walked on the moon and say, hey, what was it like to walk on the moon? Uh, I, you know particularly this guy with the, with, with, with the, with the rover out there I mean, tell, tell me how, how was that uh, but imagine if you had talked to one of those guys that had walked on the moon and driven the rover around and said Man, what was it like to walk on the moon and they're like eh, it, it wasn't much uh, in fact I, I much prefer when I went to Albuquerque one summer uh, that, that, that was a much better trip uh, than, than, than this was to be unimpressed with that kind of an event Now, can you imagine meeting Jesus in the flesh? Imagine having an encounter with Jesus, a conversation with Jesus, and being unimpressed? Even more so, can you imagine being the kind of person or being a person who not only had an encounter with Jesus, having a conversation with Jesus, but Jesus actually healed you, transformed your life, changed the very identity of who you are, and at the end of that encounter to say, "Eh, I guess it was okay. Well, what we look at here in John chapter 5, is a little bit of a circumstance of a person who has an encounter with Jesus who is healed in a dramatic way and at the end of his story we're not really sure what 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 happened there in fact in John chapter 5 the section that we're looking at this morning it is full of questions maybe when you were reading it in this week or in the weeks leading up to this uh, maybe when you were reading you're like man I understand this I like this this is great but boy I've got some questions uh, about this section of the passage I don't know if we're going to be able to answer all of those questions We're going to try to answer some of those questions. But I will tell you that in the middle of this passage, as we take a look at this, we will discover some good news. And here's the good news. Uh, The good news that is before us this morning is that Jesus cares about me deeper and longer than anyone else I've ever met. Jesus cares about us deeper and longer than anyone else that I have ever met in my life. I hope you're going to see that very clearly in this passage of scripture this morning. Now, before we dig in too far, we do have to talk a little bit about the circumstance that this miracle happens. This miracle happens by the sheep gate, by the pool of Bethesda. Now, different translations kind of translate that Bethesda a couple of different ways. That's just the name of the place. It is interesting that one of our great hospitals in America is named Bethesda Naval Hospital. Probably from this place is a place of healing, and what's interesting is that this pool, which they can locate today, and they have archaeological evidence of this five-sided colonnaded. Um, Porticos and and things that are there is that it probably had a natural spring to it. And people have understood for a long time that sometimes these natural spring waters uh, can have some recuperative benefits to it. There are places in our own country that people have gone to because if they just kind of feel like if they can soak in these springs, it, it has great benefits to one's health. And so that was the general thing that happened here is that there were people that felt that this was a place that was good before you. But not only that, every once in a while this spring would kind of bubble up. And in the bubbling up there was this sense, here's this fresh water. They described it sometimes that an angel touched the top of the water and they felt like the first person into the pool after the bubbling, after the angel had stirred it, that person was guaranteed a healing. Now we don't know the backstory in all of these things. We, we, don't, we haven't interviewed every single person that was there, but it happened frequently enough that gathered around that pool were dozens and dozens of people waiting for healing. Now the thing is they were waiting for healing from the benefits of this spring water occasionally bubbled up. In their mind, it was the touch of an angel. Probably it was just the spring water just kind of bubbling up in that moment. But there was enough hope there that dozens and dozens of people were waiting by that place. And for one person, Jesus comes and heals them. And this thing that they had been waiting for, a huge chunk of their life happens in front of them. Now, let's unpack some of the questions that that come with this passage of Scripture. Uh, The first one is, why this guy? Now, I think what's interesting is that it is a crowd of people there. And Jesus does not heal every person in that place. Uh, I think that's one of the things that is important to keep in mind when we pray and when we seek God to do something man God chooses to deal with every single one of us differently he does not have the same pattern that he uses for every single person we have different needs, we have different benefits, he stirs different things inside of our hearts, he has different things that are for each person, but in this case dozens of people that are there but the one person is the person that he heals now why did he heal this person well let me explain to you I don't know I I, I don't know why this person is healed I I don't know if he had a hungrier heart I don't know if he had prayed more than other people I I don't know if, if, if somebody had told somebody about Jesus I don't know if he was the first person that he met I don't know if he's the person who had been there the longest I don't know if he had the highest hill that he had to climb I don't know We do know that this individual had been waiting by this pool for 38 years. Now, that's a long time. Some of us can remember 38 years ago. That's a long time. Some of the younger folks, they've never even imagined a number as high as 38 before. Uh, It's a long period of time. Now, when people unpack this passage of Scripture, people who have studied this passage of Scripture, sometimes people draw a tough picture of this guy. There are some things that when they kind of dig down deep, when we take a look at this individual, this person, there are a few things that are in the small print in the text here that some people have interpreted and said, I don't know about this guy. In fact, some people think this guy might have been lazy. Now I I know that's a hard thing to say about somebody who's been waiting for a miracle, who's been waiting for healing for 38 years. But Jesus asks him, "Do you want to be healed?" Some people have interpreted that to say that, listen, this guy really didn't want to be healed. He liked the role that he had. He wasn't really that interested in things. And so Jesus had to challenge his heart and say, do you really, really want to be changed? Do you really, really want to be healed? Well, when, he, when Jesus asks him that question... He says, I want to be healed, but when the water stirs, I don't have anyone that can help me get into the pool. And by the time I work myself into the pool, after the bubbling moment happens, somebody else has already beaten me there. Now, to some degree, that can be a person who who is just discouraged. Some other folks have said, this is a person who always had an excuse. No matter what the thing was, somebody else was to blame why he hadn't been able to do this. Some other folks look at this, in fact, they remember at the end of the story, he, he doesn't know who Jesus was. He didn't have Jesus' picture. He'd never seen Jesus on Facebook. He, he, he didn't know what Jesus looked like, so he just knew this guy healed him. When people say, well, who healed you? I, I, I don't know. And they're like, well, we want to talk to him because that guy's in trouble. And so when Jesus comes back to him, he finds out that it's Jesus. And the first thing that he does is he runs back and tells the people who are angry with Jesus, hey, that guy's name was Jesus, and he's standing right over there. That seems a little bit ungrateful uh, from, from this person. And then when Jesus runs into him again or encounters him that second time, he says, See, you're well. Stop singing, sinning, not singing, that's, that's a, singing is okay, right? Uh, although a couple times people have told me to stop singing, that's another story. Uh, stop sinning or sin no more so that nothing worse happens to you. And some interpreters are taking a look at that and said, you know what, this is an evidence that says this man's malady, his difficulty, his disability was caused by his sin. The, the event that caused his paralysis 38 years earlier was because he caused some sin or he, he committed some sin. Now, I don't, I don't know. I can see how people come to those conclusions about this man but that's not the same picture that I see in this man and I don't necessarily think that that's the picture that Jesus saw in this man. I think Jesus saw a man that was suffering had suffered a really long time felt isolated and forgotten and alone Lived with trying to maintain a mixture of hope mixed in with discouragement. Why else do you stay by the pool for 38 years if you don't think that maybe next time, maybe, maybe right around the corner, maybe the next thing that happens is that I'm healed. But you also don't stay in that situation for 38 years without being discouraged. I think what we find is a discouraged, isolated person who's trying to manage this constant vortex of hope and discouragement. Now, in terms of the question of sin, we're going to circle back to that in just a few moments. But in terms of the question of sin, let me tell you, There are some folks that say this guy wasn't a great candidate for the work of God in his life, but I'm like, there are no other candidates. (laughs) To be honest with you, that, that, that if our sin or our personality flaws or our selfishness or our laziness or any of those things in our life that aren't right, if they disqualify the work of God in our life, then no one is qualified for the work of God in their life. In fact, if that was a, a deal breaker for the work of God, the Bible would be much shorter. In fact, it would be basically two chapters long. It would fit on an index card. You can just stick it in your, in your pocket and good to go. God created it. It was fantastic. We messed up. End of story. But that's not how it goes. God continues to see our brokenness. God continues to see and have our sinfulness to be the canvas where he does the best work in our lives. I think one other thing I want to just point out about this guy I think is really worth noting as we try to understand the patterns and the priorities and purpose of Jesus. I want you to notice that last week we, we, we talked about the fact that the text really wanted us to notice how Jesus crossed the barrier of gender and how he crossed the barrier of race. Other people that had put divisions in those places and said, you don't deal with those kinds of people, but Jesus did. And it wasn't just coincidental that the text puts a spotlight on this and says pay attention to this. I want you to notice that the very next chapter, after crossing the line of gender, and crossing the line of race, he crosses the line of disability. You see, this place by this pool at the entrance where the sheep would come in, it's not the main entrance to Jerusalem. In fact, the only people that are hanging out there are either the people who are sick waiting to come into this place, waiting for that pool, or they're the people bringing in livestock into the city. It it is a dirty, undesirable section of town. It's not on the way to anything, but Jesus shows up in that place. I think we need to be reminded that the pattern of Jesus is at the very places that sometimes our heart says, let's not, let's not bother with that. Let's not bother with them. Let's avoid those kinds of circumstances. That's the very place that Jesus continually shows up in that place. So why that guy? I can't tell you a whole lot more, but I can' tell you, because Jesus desired to do a work in his life and the broken messed up pieces were irrelevant to what God wanted to do. Now the the next question that I, I think is before us is not only why this guy but why this trouble? Anybody get in trouble in the last six weeks? Anyone? Okay. Two of you. Good. Appreciate we have an honest congregation uh, together. I rounded up. Only one person raised their hand. Um, most of the time when we get in trouble, it's because we mess something up. I mean it just happens. We, we 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 were we were thoughtless, we were selfish, we were we we forgot something the wrong spirit got a hold of us and and we we messed up. I mean we, we just did. We we, we messed up. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus gets into trouble (laughs) for doing the right thing. Jesus gets into trouble for healing this guy. How does he get in trouble for healing, saving, restoring this man's life? Well, he gets in trouble because he does it on the wrong day of the week. You see, there's the whole story here, it kind of unpacks and does this, and then the last sentence there, he says, oh, and by the way, this all happened on the Sabbath. And because it happened on the Sabbath or the seventh day or what we call Saturday, it seems as though the world is going to end for some people. You know, there are some people who are themselves the gatekeepers of all that is right before God. John sometimes uses shorthand and just refers to them as the Jews. That's not an ethnic statement. It is stating, saying that the people who ran the system, the people who ran the organization, the insiders, They lose their mind because Jesus, Gasp, healed somebody on a Saturday. Now, what's the deal with Sabbath? What's the deal with all of that? Very quickly, the Sabbath is one of the commandments of God. It's one of the Ten Commandments that says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. God rested on the, on the seventh day. It is for you. It is a day for you to rest. It is a day for you to be able to stay local and, and to, to set aside everything else so that your heart can be turned uh, toward worship. It's a good thing. It is the, probably one of the most observable of the Ten Commandments that deals with every single person you probably have a good long streak of not killing anybody. Good. We're grateful uh, for that. But when we come to commandments such as don't covet, we're not sure exactly what's happening in your heart. We can't see that. But the Sabbath, now that's a good middle commandment that both comes up every single week and we can see how you're doing on it. And, And so the Sabbath becomes kind of this high point of the commandments. Not because it's the most important but because it's the easiest one to keep track on how everybody's doing. And in fact after the Israelites were sent into exile because of their disobedience, they come back to Jerusalem and they're like, you know what? We're not messing this up again. We're, we're going to be right before God no matter what. And what they do is to center that rightness as they say, you know what? We're going to focus on keeping the Sabbath. We're, we're going to get that right. We, we think that really we upset God because we didn't keep the Sabbath carefully enough. And so what they do is they, they actually begin to put these safety nets around the Sabbath to make sure that you don't accidentally break the Sabbath. And in fact the safety net it becomes a, a very organized thing. And in fact there are 139 Subpoints on what it means to not break the Sabbath. Now those aren't in Scripture, but there are rulers, leaders, scribes that have said, listen, here's the way to do that. And in fact, there are observant Jews today that are still trying to follow those 139 precepts of how to protect the Sabbath. And in fact, in some of their teaching, there is the belief that if all of Judaism will hold to one perfect Sabbath, it will trigger the arrival of the Messiah. That's how important this idea of the Sabbath is. So the Sabbath is from God. It's a gift to us. It's consistent with the character of God. It is a place where many people were trying to get it right, to honor God. So why is it (coughs) that Jesus kind of pokes the bear on the Sabbath, which you're also not supposed to do on the Sabbath or any other days. Don't don't poke bears. Uh, Why does he do this? In fact, just in the last chapter, we we know that Jesus himself needed rest. So why does Jesus do these miracles on the Sabbath? Why does he have no problem with the disciples picking grain as they walk through the fields? Why why does Jesus not embrace the careful observation of of the Sabbath. I think there's several reasons for that. One is the whole point of this, the whole point of these religious leaders was that if we will try hard enough we'll be able to please God. And they've built an entire system that says try harder and you'll be able to please God maybe. Try harder and you'll be able, to, if you get everything right you'll be able to trigger the acceptance of God. And one of the things that Jesus has to communicate is he has to burst that bubble because the idea that any individual ever is going to do enough good and enough perfection that they're ever going to please God, that's a complete fallacy. And so one of the things that Jesus has to do is say, listen, this isn't just a politeness. This isn't just a small thing. Listen, this is built, you're building an entire case that you can perfect your way to pleasing God. And I've come to let you know that there is none righteous, no, not one. And that all have fallen short of the glory of God. And that He is going to be the substitute his perfection is going to be the substitute for our imperfection and so this system that said listen let's all try to be perfect is a bubble that had to be burst. Now there are still folks that are still trying to chase that sometimes in organized religion and sometimes just in their own pursuits I'm going to get it right. I'm going to be perfect or or I'm going to show my credentials by being better than every one of my neighbors and better than every person that I know. One of the things that Jesus has to do is he has to burst that bubble. So why does God give us this law? Why does he give us these rules? If Jesus is going to set them aside, why are they there? They are there, the New Testament tells us, because they are a tutor or an instructor to get us ready for Jesus' arrival. They are to give us the shape, they are to give us, tell us what direction to look while we wait for Jesus to arrive in some way the law becomes a map. It tells us which way is up, it tells us how to travel, it tells us how to go, but it only has value if it carries us to a destination. Jesus is that destination, if we are holding on to rules and guidelines and habits and routines and legalistic view of the world but that doesn't carry us to Jesus and it doesn't stir our hearts then we are in the same danger that Jesus needs to come and pop that bubble of our own expectations I'll tell you the other thing is I'm not sure what, what these religious leaders really expected from this man He's been paralyzed for 38 years. Jesus just healed him. The place where he is is not a hospital. It is not a place where staff comes and cleans and takes care of things. Chances are that the place that he was laying and the person that he was laying next to and all of that space had some degree of filth. Jesus has just healed them. He has just been restored from paralysis that has lasted 38 years. What did they want him to do? Sit in that filth for another day until the Sabbath was over? No, I want you to know that Jesus says when you are healed, when you are set free, when you are loosed from whatever bounds you, you are loosed, you are free, and you are healed from that moment forward. Get up, pick up your mat, and get out of there because you are no longer in the bondage that you used to be. And we're not going to wait for another 18 hours because the calendar says it's not the right day to be changed. That's where the trouble comes from. It's because Jesus did this on the wrong day. But I want to tell you that if we're paying attention to this list of rules more than the spirit, the movement, and the identity of Jesus, the, 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 the trouble is ours, not anybody else's. Now there's one more part for us to look at and, and that is why this warning? One of the things we said at the beginning is that Jesus cares for you deeper and longer than anyone else that you've ever known. I love the fact that Jesus doesn't just talk to this person one time. He heals him there by the pool, tells him to pick up his mat, and he walks. But Jesus goes back and finds him a second time. This time in the temple where he's gone to worship. That's a great, great story. He, he can now pick up and go. And the first place that he goes to is the temple. That is fantastic. I love that. But he comes to him and says, see, you're well. Notice what's happened. And he says, stop sinning so that worse things may not happen to you. That almost sounds like a like a mafia threat. <laughs> Stop doing what you're doing, we'd hate for something bad to happen to you. I mean, that, that, that sounds like someone's cracking their knuckles uh, as, as they're saying that. Stop doing that. We, we would hate for something bad to happen to you. Well, what on earth is this about? Again, there are some people that are saying, aha, he was a sinner before, he's still a sinner. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's true because that's, that's who we are. But I'm going to tell you that I think that this man has spent 38 years wondering about what it would be like to he- be healed. You want to talk about the first day of the rest of your life? To have your health restored after 38 years. How are you going to rebuild that life? One of the things that Jesus comes back says, is, listen, don't just settle for being made whole physically when you can be made whole spiritually. He says, in fact, the reality is that your condition will be worse if you are body healed and soul sick. Because the body has limited time. The soul is forever. If you are separated from the people that you know and that you love, that's not good. But if you're separated from God, that is the worst thing that could happen to you. And so Jesus circles back to this man and says, listen, don't just settle for physical healing but be spiritually healed. I want you to know that God has done some great things in your life spiritually. There are some great beginnings that God has done in your life. There are some great transformation that Jesus has done in your life, but I want you to know that He's not finished with you yet. And there may be a second visit or a next conversation that you have with Jesus where he says, man, it is great what has unfolded in your life. But there's something more. There's something next. Now again, we come back to the man. I don't know how he took it. Again, he doesn't seem to respond to Jesus at that point and he just runs to the opponents of Jesus and says, there he is, he's over there. I don't know what's going on. Was was he giving Jesus glory or was he being a tattletale? I don't don't know. I do know this. I don't ever want to have Jesus move in my life and for me to be unchanged. I don't ever want to have an encounter with Jesus where he pours his power and his saving work and his grace into my life. And I'm like, yeah. It was all right. It was okay. It wasn't Albuquerque. It was just fine. I want to make sure that when Jesus moves in my life, it rearranges who I am. Let's think about some applications that we can look at together this morning. One of the things. that I would say to you is maybe in this week you need to go a little bit deeper inside of your faith maybe the routines are fine maybe the routines are good but maybe God doesn't just want to do your physical body but there's some deeper parts of your heart and of your life that you just need to unfold to him, that you need to expose to him, that you need to reveal to him. Say, God, I I don't want to just rearrange my life. I I want my soul to be different. I want my spirit to be different. I wonder about the next conversation that you're going to have with Jesus. I'm grateful for what he's done in your life in 2021. But if Jesus circles back and has a next statement for you, are you ready for that next statement? That next season of growth? And then, I think one of my favorite things in this passage is when you go back to where Jesus says to the man, do you want to be healed? Now, in his mind, He's like, well, I can't because I I can't get to the pool. I I can't because somebody else gets there before I do. I I can't because I don't have anyone to help me. I can't because the timing's never right. I can't because my, my mat's not in the right place. I can't because it happens at nighttime when I'm not paying attention. I can't because, and there's a whole list of things that seems to stand in the way. But when Jesus comes, Do you want to be healed? It's just Jesus. There are no obstacles. There's no outside person. There's no organization. There's no nothing. It's just Jesus. Will you respond to Jesus? And I don't know what your story is. But has someone whispered in your ear that there's too many obstacles for you to respond to Jesus? I want you to know that when Jesus speaks, it's not someone else. It's not some organization. It's not where your mat is. It's not where you've been before. Jesus says do you want to be made whole? Because if you say yes to him there are no other obstacles. It's just him. And the offer is right there on the table for you. Michael's going to be down front in just a moment. I'm going to be down front. Man if we can affirm that in your life if you want to say yes to him you don't need us but if we can walk with you we'd be happy to do that if you want to begin this church year by joining our church we'd love to talk to you about that if there's a way in which we can pray for you we want to do that as well this morning